0: Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you, to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and I'm excited to explore the big question we all ask, and that is... Is it time to buy or is it time to sell? Kathy Fetke is a real estate investor, podcaster, and owner of Real Wealth Network, an investor group with over 60,000 members worldwide. She simplifies the complicated world of real estate investing to help more people build cash flowing rental properties. She is passionate about researching real estate market cycles, demographic shifts, and areas of job and population growth so that helps her investors acquire or dispose of property in the right place at the right time. Kathy is the author of the number one bestseller, Retire Rich with Rentals, and is a frequent guest expert on such media as CNN, CNBC, Fox News, NPR, and CBS Market Watch. Kathy, share with us a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today.
1: Ah, such a good question. Uh, When I was growing up, which was a long, long time ago, women were not generally very involved in the financial affairs of the family. And so when I, I remember my mother would sit at the dinner table and say, you know, Doug, we should buy some of these little homes and rent them out. And he would say, oh, Barbara, you know, who's going to, Who's going to watch them? And you know, who's going to take care of them? And I don't want to fix toilets. And well, those little fifty thousand dollar homes in in Menlo Park, California, are yeah, you know, five million dollars minimum today. Um, so I could have been a very rich and spoiled trust fund kid had a uh, had my mother been more involved in the financial affairs of our family. Ironically, uh, my my dad made a great income. He just didn't always choose the best investments, but the one investment he chose was, you know, to pay off the home that they lived in. And that is really what got my mother through, you know, through through the final years of her life, 20, 20 years, she was able to live comfortably in retirement because of the house that they had that she had then sold, downsized and lived off that money. So, you know, I just, a few things came from that is uh, just wanting to be more involved in in the financial affairs of my family and to obviously invest in properties that are worth a whole lot more over time.
0: Yeah, well, that's one thing Uh, you can count on real estate. It's going to have its ups and downs, but overall it is always going to go up. Well, Barbara, we're so glad to have you with us today and you really are not all that old. Just wait till you get to my age, then you can talk (laughs) about being old. But we have seen some changes in uh, gender roles in our lifetimes. That is for certain. And I think that's very good. So tell us about prices. They are at their all time highs, but that doesn't mean that that's where they're going to stay or that that is going to be the high watermark 10 years from now. So what's going to continue here?
1: Well, it's really funny. Everybody's got an opinion about it, right? I I was just. Uh, doing home inspections today on a house that we're buying, and the inspector was like, "Why would you be buying a house at this time?" I mean, I don't think he was supposed to be talking like this, but he's like, "This is 2006 all over again. It's going to crash. It's going to be 10 years before values come back." And and I think a lot of people do feel that way. We normally have a real estate crash about every 10 years somewhere, and uh, or some kind of economic economic downturn. So one would think based on that, that there might be that, you know, we've hit all time highs. People are making crazy multiple offers. There's there's multifamily that are trading for twice what they did just 18 months ago. That sounds like a bubble, right? But when you kind of look further into what's going on, we have never, at least in the history of America that I know, we have never created this much cash. It's It's like, It's like we're sitting around the table playing Monopoly and everybody's got their money and they're buying and trading the little houses and the little apartment buildings on the board. And then somebody comes in, brings in another bucket of money and then another another bucket of money. And all of a sudden, you've got more money on the table, but the number of assets on the board game are the same. So what happens? People just pay more. They have more money. And it's all fake money, right? In the Monopoly game, it's just pieces of paper, but that's not that different to what has happened over the past 10 years. The amount of money circulating through just digital, you know, the Fed being able to digitally increase the money supply is unprecedented. So it's not really as if values have gone up so much as dollar, the the value dollar has gone down. It takes more of those little pieces of paper to buy the same thing that you could buy a year ago, two years ago. So we, uh, we are realizing inflation is not transitory. It is here because the fact of the matter is when you pour that much money into a system where there's the same number of assets, you're going to see it. So you know, we, we see builders trying to bring on new supply. They're having a hard time. There's supply chain issues. There's boats still outside Long Beach waiting to be unloaded. Builders cannot, we're, we're in the building industry too, and it, it's very difficult to get all the things you need to get your final CO and be able to sell the house. So the supply is trying to increase, uh, but it's very slow. It's behind, and as a, but, but at the same time, we have all this money. In addition to two very large generations looking for a place to live, you have millennials who are the, the largest cohort of millennials is 29 years old. And they are right before home buying age. They are investing. They're circulating that money. A lot of them are high income earners. Then you've got the Gen Z generation, the younger ones moving out of college and and you know, forming households and living in apartments. So massive demand. The baby boomers aren't dying off as quickly as uh, I guess some of the economists thought they would, <laughs> or living longer staying, but so there is a Tremendous demand for housing, not enough of it, either to rent or to buy. And so, no, I don't see a housing crash coming anytime soon.
0: That's what I hear from many experts. It's hard to believe, but when you look at it from a a supply side issue, you begin to understand that it is going to be difficult to crash because the demand is so high and the supply has just not been keeping up with, with that demand. Yeah. So in this time of low cap rates and extreme competition, where do you go to find deals, particularly deals that are going to cash flow from the get-go?
1: Boy, it's tough these days. You've got to maybe change your underwriting guidelines. Um, the cash flow is not what it was last year or the year before, and certainly not What it was in 2009 or 2010, if you were lucky enough to acquire at that time, prices were low, interest rates were low, and rents were pretty high. Rents stayed stayed high along uh, throughout the Great Recession. So, what we used to look for, which was 20% returns back then, it kind of went down to 15, then 12, then nine, and eight, and six. I mean, returns are are decreasing in terms of cash flow, but in uh, equity growth, that's really taken off, right? so you just really have to look at why am i buying real estate today and what we know without a doubt is that real estate really performs in, in an inflationary environment especially and mainly if you borrow the money if you're locking in low cost debt you know debt that's almost free right you can you can you can get you can get a 30 year loan a loan you don't have to pay off for three decades and get these locked fixed rates. If you want, you can also get adjustable. But if you want the fixed rate for 30 years, yet we know that we have an inflation, so rents will most likely go up over a 30-year time period. That is how you create massive wealth. When you're borrowing someone else's money at low cost, low cost money, acquiring an asset, getting the tax deductions, the, the incredible Uh, tax deductions that you can get from commercial property and, and residential property. And then on top of that, if someone else is paying off that debt for you and the values are going up. So it's just a win, 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 win. And from a social impact perspective, you're providing housing that's needed. So it's really a great opportunity, but you have to look at it not so much as high cash flow. It still exists. You can still get cash flow but it's really more of using the inflation hedge and and knowing that you can again borrow money, get it fixed and yet prices and rents are going to increase over time. So cash flows get better over time, I guess is what I tried to say. So how do you do it? How do you well, I can tell you right now my daughter kept saying prices are going to go down. I said no, they're not, honey. You're 29, you're in the largest group of millennials. There's a whole lot of you looking for homes right now. So the way we were able to win the bid so that she could have a home is come in with a really incredibly strong offer. If, if you can at all get help from others to acquire property with cash and then refi later, that's one way to win the bit, bid. Come in a little higher uh, and then maybe negotiate down once you're in contract once you've done the inspections and so forth. But it is, it is tough to find the inventory. It's tough to win the bid at at my company at real wealth we have 15 rehab teams they they buy distressed property fix them up and then resell to investors so we have relationships and we're able to still get inventory for investors but it's dwindling it's hard to get we also have relationships with builders to help us build inventory to to sell to investors and that's that's getting harder too
0: <laughs> we'll be right back after a brief announcement Steed Talker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steedtalker.com. Get your free one page, 10 step guide to passive real estate investing. Best ground up development you're, you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, And uh, it's just as difficult as, uh, as finding below value existing properties for rehab
1: yeah you know there's always opportunity right there's always opportunity there were some let me put it this way i've been in in the news business all my life i i graduated graduated in broadcast communication arts many years ago and then worked in at cnn and abc 7 and fox news and uh, i've been uh, a regular guest expert on many news channels since then and i can tell you that if it bleeds it leads you know people Journalists always want to get the attention-grabbing headlines. So there's been a lot of attention-grabbing headlines that there were going to be these all these forbearances that were going to turn into five million foreclosures or something like that, and people have been sitting around waiting for those. They haven't shown up. You know, the, those forbearances, which is basically that where people didn't have to pay their their mortgage during the pandemic, they could postpone that and not have it hit hurt their credit. Well, many of the banks learned from the Great. Di- Recession that foreclosing was not a great option for the banks. You know, they were basically not getting very much value for the foreclosures. So they kind of learned not to do that. And instead, they learned to modify those loans, which is what I predicted when the forbearances started. I said, Oh, they're just going to say, n- Due to no fault of your own, you've lost your job. You were forced out of your job. We're not going to make you. Pay when you're not allowed to go to work. And that I just figured that those forbearances, all those payments would just go to the end of the loan. And that's what's happening. They're getting modified. They're getting, um, you know, just put again, just extended. So that foreclosure crisis is just not happening. What we are going to see is an upt- uptick in foreclosures that were already sort of in process before <laughs> the moratoriums. But, you know, a lot of these headlines that there was going to be, you know, all the, the eviction moratorium would mean there'd be a flood of evictions when that was over. No, none of that happened. None of that happened. There's going to be a little bit more inventory, but it'll be gobbled up so quickly from all the desperate people looking for it. It's just not, it's not going to be what investors are hoping for, which is a sudden, sudden crash like 2009. I know (laughs) y'all are waiting for that. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Yes. Blood in the water can excite investors for sure. But there's a lot of fallout for that. It would be much better to have things modulated, really, yeah. and truly, yeah, you for don't want everybody
1: to in their homes, just so you can get a deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about quantum easing and what it is, and first of all, and then what effect is that going to have upon investments?
1: Yeah, you know, quantitative easing is just a fancy way of saying we push a button and print more money and circulate more money. It is a fallback. That the Federal Reserve has started to depend on after the complete mess up with the, you know, in 2008, when the loans came due and people couldn't pay them and those crazy loans that were given out, you know, the way to fix that problem was to print more money because the banks came to a complete, they were just failing. And so the Fed just printed a bunch of money to save the banks. Um, We've heard that story. It's an old story, right? Um, But then that became the new way that when politicians want something, they just print more money. So instead of saying, we're just printing more money, they're calling it quantitative easing so that nobody knows what they're doing, uh, but that's what they're doing. And that is you know, very good for people who own assets. If you own stocks, you own real estate, those assets go up in value because there's just more money circulating. Like I said, on the board game, just more money to play with, but the same number of assets for the most part, not completely. So quantitative easing, it's a, it's a tool. That our central bank uses to keep the economy going. What they, but they've never done it quite like this before. Not to this amount. Not to where you know the government can say we're just going to keep creating trillions of dollars of, of 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 this quantitative easing every year to pay for things that we want and need, like infrastructure. No one wants to argue with that. We need infrastructure, but how do you pay for it? You just create more money. Well, what is that going to do? Deflates the dollar, and so. It hurts people who don't own assets. And that's what's sad. And that's why I'm on shows like this and why you're doing shows like this to tell people you're going to get left behind. Because if you don't own assets that inflate, that inflate with all this money, then you're stuck just paying more. If you're a renter, you're going to get, be stuck paying more all the time uh, rather than be in a mortgage with a fixed payment for 30 years, right? In 30 years... Imagine when the renter is going to be paying in rent versus the owner who's on the same fixed payment and now has their house paid off. Those are two scenarios um, that if you're 30 years old today, 60 years old in 30 years, one person now has a house that's completely inflated, probably tripled in value and no payment. And then you've got the renter whose rent has probably tripled, if not more, and they have nothing. They don't mm-hmm. have that house. So this is the issue, this is the concern. The gap is going to get wider, and yet there's opportunity for almost anyone to be able to acquire these assets if you know how. You know, you've got to have good credit, you've got to have a two-year job history. But you can literally buy a $100,000 property at this point somewhere in the country and hold it as an investment property, fix it up a little, refi, get all your money out and go to it again. You can get 10 of those loans. like anyone can do it. You can get a fourplex and live in one unit rent the other three units out you can do it with an fha loan 3% down and live there for free and have the other tenants pay your loan off like there's ways to get in with very little money you can wholesale you can you just have to learn and know if you have no money at all you can find people who have money and they're worried they want it secured to real estate and you let them be your lender and uh, keep them safe by securing them like a lender to the property and and you take care of it, fix it, and uh, and then everybody profits. So don't give up.
0: <laughs> Very excellent advice. And uh, I like what you said about the fact that, that you have to have assets. And particularly in times of inflation, if you don't have the assets, you are going to be left behind. And I just hope all young people out there hear this message. A brand new spanking automobile is not an asset. <laughs> and... <laughs> That's right. It is a good way to drain your pocketbook, but it will not help you in particularly in times of inflation.
1: Yeah, I'd like to speak to that if you don't mind. My daughter came to me at 24. She was 24 years old. Just She had graduated and had been working for about two years at her job, making less than 30000 a year. And um, she happened to live in Northern California where prices were pretty cheap. And she said, you know, mom, I'm going to go get a new car. And she had a car that worked, but she just wanted a new car. The old car was old, you know, but it worked. Um, And I said, oh, wait, before you go buy that car and you take on a $400 or $500 a month payment that has now dramatically affected your debt to income ratios, just go talk to a lender. Just go find out if you qualify for a house instead of a car. And she's like, mom, I'm 24. I said, I don't care. You're living in an apartment. You know, maybe you could live in a house or a condo that you own and pay the same. So she went to a lender, turns out she could qualify for a $300,000 house. And it turns out that was available in Chico, California at the time. So she actually bought a fixed wrapper for two fifty dollars and ended up just selling it a couple of years later for three fifty. dollars So she made $100,000. And still driving the old car. Now, <laughs> if she bought the car, she would have a car that was worth probably half what she paid, because it does depreciate. And instead, she ended up living basically for several years, not paying—you know, basically living for free—and making a hundred thousand.
0: Absolutely. And the other thing I I tell uh, these young people who are so eager to go out there and get a car is, you already mentioned what it does to the debt to ratio, whereas if you can qualify at first, you can qualify for a home before purchasing the car and go out and do that because that debt to ratio is going to knock you out of the house and you may end up with a car but no asset. But if you do it the other way around and you, you get the house, chances are you can qualify for an automobile loan after you get the car. Uh, but not vice versa. Uh, so. Yeah,
1: right. Buy the house first.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Or the Absolutely. condo or the townhouse. Whatever you can get into. And you don't Absolutely. have to live there forever. You can get it as a primary residence, live there for a year and then rent it out.
0: Yep. Go live somewhere else. Absolutely. All kinds of ways, as you had mentioned earlier. And none of these ways are really all that complicated. It's just learning a little bit of information and learning how to apply the different strategies. It may not work where you live. Maybe you need to purchase where you don't live. Uh, and that is an option today, too, that, not, that hasn't always been there. But with the internet and real estate becoming more available through the internet, there really are more options for investing outside of where it is that you live. Well, Kathy, tell us how to get in touch with you and what is it you have to offer?
1: Yes, you can reach us at real Wealth. Network.com, real like real estate wealth as in your money and network as in the network of resources we have to help you so realwealthnetwork.com it's free to join and when you're there you'll get lots of data and information on the best places to invest and you'll get referrals to the teams that we've worked with for for 20 years who specialize in helping investors find rental properties and manage them so they 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 help investors find the properties they fix them up for them and they manage them so it's kind of done for you and they have a great track record with our 60,000 investors so and then just tons of it we have more, over 500 webinars educational webinars on how to get the tax benefits asset protection how to get the best loans that's all there for free we are a, a broker we have a broker to broker relationship so we when we make a referral we get part of the commission it's pretty simple there's no trick to it and that and then you get you can also speak with an investment counselor to help you you know figure out what's mm-hmm. the, the right choice for you so oh i've got a dog <laughs> i <laughs> i apologize we we lost power and i am doing this interview from my phone <laughs> But um, <laughs> that's the struggles the trials of living in california we're always on these you know we have, we have-
0: always nice to have a dog with you wherever yeah you
1: go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathy, it's been a delight having you. I have one last question. It's kind of a multi layered question, and that is share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life. And how did you come through that time? And what did you learn from that experience?
1: Oh, you know, I got caught in the mess of uh, the Great Recession. I was just, just knowledgeable enough to be dangerous. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been through a down cycle myself. I had seen other people, but not myself. So I was a little aggressive back then you could get unlimited number of investor loans with no money down and barely any documentation for anything. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you, right? So I got a little addicted. We bought lots of properties. We did really, really well in Texas. I bought brand new homes and multifamilies for cheap, cheap, cheap. And they were, they cash flowed and they, they, they were great properties. But then I got a little cocky. <laughs> and we bought a few properties in Boise, Idaho. It's a great market now. It only had Two employer major employers back then, so when the market hit uh, fell, it hit hard in Boise, and then we had three homes under construction in Tennessee at the time, and those the banks failed and they couldn't be completed, and um, so we lost all our money in those. It was it was a really tough time. So what I learned from that is to underwrite really carefully, to to always expect the unexpected, and um, and have plenty of cash reserves. It's okay to be leveraged on properties that cash flow that pay for themselves, but a lot of people at that time were buying properties that were negative cash flow and you can't do that for very long. That'll drain, that'll drain you. So as long as you can break even and cover your costs or better yet, cash flow and have plenty of reserves, you can get through hard times. So that was that was the big lesson is make sure your cash flow positive and make sure you have reserves and that your underwriting's excellent.
0: Very, very good advice. Not fun lessons to learn, but sometimes the worst times are the best times in terms of at least learning. Yeah. Well, Kathy, it's been a pleasure. Wonderful meeting you. And thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid passive real estate investments.